this podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. gentlemen and everybody inside and outside of the gender spectrum and welcome back to stardom quest the best weekly stardom podcast anywhere in the world i am as always alex and i am joined by dylan hi dylan hi guys it's me no fun joke today that's good uh we're also joined by uh parker klein parker do you want to introduce yourself yeah i'm glad to be a part of the show guys this yeah i'm parker i do uh, weekly reports for both the observer the wrestling observer and game media uh, and i think i'm the only there are, i think there are two people at the wrestling observer right now who regularly follow joshi and stardom in particular so i'm happy to be one of them and i love i think they've done a great job promoting this upcoming show and i'm excited to get some thoughts out um yeah so uh this episode uh is all about all-star dream cinderella it is the return of joshi wrestling to the nippon budokan after a 24-year absence um dylan has uh dylan has gone all the way in with the backstory to this so uh dylan any interesting facts there for us so this this mostly pertains to the bootkin rumble um or the you know the rumble match that will be the first part of the pay-per-view uh just a few little rundown things chigusa nagai will be competing for the first time since 1996 um funnily enough the most legendary wrestler in joshi wrestling history actually lost in the first round of a tag team tournament on her last event at the Budokan, alongside the um, debuting Sakura Hirota, which is pretty cool. Um, Emi Sakura and Momoi Nakanishi will be the only people to have had a match inside the Budokan and be in the same match this time. They fought at AJW Brightness in 1997 um, for the junior title. Momoi won, and Emi Sakura ended up leaving AJW a couple years later. Mima Shimoda was the last Joshi wrestler to wrestle inside the Budokan and the last Joshi wrestler to win when she pinned Kamiko Meikawa in the main event of AJW Brightness in 1997. And finally, Kyoko Noe. This is her seventh match inside of the Budokan. She ties Yumiko Hoda for the most matches of any Joshi wrestler inside of Nippon Budokan. I got that all out yeah. real quick. <laughs> Go Dylan. Um, so yeah, this is only the, by my count, uh, the 11th Joshi show at the Nippon Budokan. Uh, all of the previous ones were AJW. They did three in the 70s. Uh, they did one in the 80s, and then the rest were in the 90s when they kind of had their biggest boom. Um, and as Dylan has said, like a lot of the legendary wrestlers from that time period are still here to compete on this show, which is incredible. Um, but there are also there's a whole new generation of talents now who are going to get this exposure at the Budokan. Um, but with that, I suppose we'll just get straight into the card. If uh, nobody else has any comments. Let's no. get into it. Yeah. Yeah, solid. Um, so the first match is the prologue match one. It's the high speed championship championship match between Azumi and Natsupoi. Um, so Azumi has held the belt for a few months now, ever since uh, winning it from 
Riho. Um, she's kind of knocked back every challenger in the division. Uh, whereas Natsupoi, she's one of Stardom's newest signings. And uh, Azumi doesn't feel that Natsupoi is on her level. So going into this match, uh, Natsupoi has yet to win a match that is also involving Azumi. So the storyline here is very much that Azumi is the very talented prodigy and uh, Natsupoi is not as good as her. So you may be thinking, oh, well, Azumi's going to win. That's probably not very likely. Uh, Dylan, you're a big Azumi fan. Do you think she has a chance of winning? I think she has a chance. I think that she should win, um, personally, because obviously I do. Um, This match is, and I don't think it would be sacrilege for her to win either because like obviously the underdog should win in this case most like nine times out of ten this type of match not supposed should win um but i think that azumi definitely has a certain edge to her where she is making the match feel like it is a the beginning of something more than it is the end of something like the end of her reign or the the you know first and like big match between the two of them i feel like this will probably be dragged out she might lose and win it back um sometime later down the line but i feel like this is probably the first of a few matches between azumi and natsupoi because azumi is very much feeding into the fact that like natsupoi cannot win um she needs a miracle to beat her so she is saying you need to be better before you can even have a thought of like beating me on sheer ability and natsupoi says i disagree um and i i feel like azumi is probably going to be proved right um on at the budokan show and probably be proved wrong later down the line i get the yeah, I get the sense that um, I get the sense that Natsupoi's winning this as well, um, pretty pretty solidly. Um, I also get the sense that Azumi is probably after she loses, moving up the card uh, and getting you know into some like real mid card to upper mid card you know level stuff. She obviously had that Shuri match just a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was pro- probably the biggest match of her career so far. But um, so I-, I think this is definitely the type of circumstance where. Kind of like we've seen with with someone like Starlight Kid losing sort of a lower title can be the catalyst to move you up the card. And obviously, seen it a ton in Stardom so far. So yeah, I agree that Natsupoi I think is probably my pick to win this one. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely along a, a similar wavelength to Parker there because I just think that uh, Azumi is kind of it's not that she's done it all in the high speed division, but she's faced everybody so many times and she's beat everybody now except for Saki Kashima. Um, and I think there's a lot of good stuff that she can do further up this card, maybe in the tag division or in the Wonder of Stardom title division. Uh, but definitely, I think Natsupoi is kind of the fresh face for the high-speed division to continue with. And unless they're going to bring in outside challengers, I don't know how you can keep Azumi's reign fresh, you know? I, I definitely feel like they should bring in outside challengers. I've been saying this from the jump. And they did do a really good job with bringing in Meiho Shizuki. Um, a few months ago in an amazing match. Uh, I think that they could keep doing that. Uh, I was just watching a bunch of Kigetsu stuff. I watched Azumi versus um, Kaho and Mei, and I was like, I want to see Azumi face both these people for the High Speed Championship. So maybe that's bringing out a little bit of like, oh, there's still a lot to do. But you guys are right that she has sort of ran through a lot of the High Speed division as is right now. And with travel restrictions somebody like Layla Hirsch can't come back somebody like um Dust can't come back you know like there's there's issues with having not that many high speed re- wrestlers the only person that she hasn't beaten really is Saki and I don't know about having that match anytime soon so I, I definitely see what you mean there but uh, I want to zoom in so <laughs> tough <laughs> yeah uh, Dylan Dylan has his biases uh which will become very apparent throughout the show um <laughs> 
The uh, second prologue match then is a Goddess of Stardom Championship match. Uh, the new champions, Jumbo and Micah, defend against the Uedo Tai team of Natsuko Tora and Saki Kashima. Um, I see no world in which the Uedo Tai team wins. I don't see a need to bounce the titles around. Because, uh, I mean, Ian Konami had them for one defense. So if you have the next champions lose on their very first defense, it just really starts to set a trend that you're going to bounce these belts around and that will instantly devalue them. So I feel like the Don and Don team has to win. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually completely agree. I'll go ahead, Parker. Oh, yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. I'd, I'd be really shocked. Obviously, it started super high on both Micah and Himika. So uh, obviously being a part of DDM, but just individually as well. Um, and they've they've been, you know, sort of teasing this. Like, it was, it was inevitable that these two were going to win the tag belts at some point. Um, after, you know, the work that they put in over the last year or so. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I really see no way that we're getting a title change here. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Micah and Himeka hold the championships for a really, really long time. The only thing that gives me, a, like, the tiniest bit of pause is that there are four um, title matches on this show involving DDM, obviously. Um, and so unless they're, they're doing one of these things where DDM is going to be holding... All, like all everybody in, in the stadium is going to be holding a, a title at the end. Um, it's that could be kind of an interesting little little court to look look forward to. You know, it's it's interesting you bring that up because I do think that they will do something like that, but um, except for one person who we will get to a little bit later on. Um, yeah, I see Jumbo and Micah definitely taking this one. Uh, Oedo Tai tried to like put in a little seeds of like you know doubt in that uh, Jumbo sort of tags with everybody all the time, and her and Saki are very much the tag team. They're the bean sprouts or the pork bean sprouts to be exact, the double duo. They are all of those amazing nicknames. Uh, they are just a closer tag team unit. At least that's what they're trying to put off. But I don't think that that's going to have enough power over Jumbo and Micah, who obviously are two of the strongest members of the roster, two of the best book on booked on the roster. And yeah, I think it'll be a pretty solid match, but I don't, I don't see Jumbo and Micah losing for a second. Yeah, so we're all in agreement. DDM wins. DDM yeah. dominance continues. I love it. Um, mm -hmm. The next match then is the first match of the main card. It is the All-Star Rumble. Uh, there's 22 participants announced. Uh, they span all of Joshi history and all of stardom history. Uh, you know, you have names like Yoko Bito and Yuzuki Aikawa, who were, you know, really big features of early stardom. And then, of course, you have legends of Joshi wrestling in general, like Emi Sakura, Chigusa Nagayo, uh, Kyoko Inoue. So this is just a really... It's just a really cool collection of names to have in one ring. And uh, I don't know how much, Parker, you know about like Joshi history, but like me and Dylan were big history nerds. And for us, this is like one of the coolest matches they could have done. Uh, I don't know if you're as jazzed for it, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not as aware of like all, of all the history. I've kind of watched all the big matches, but kind of like s separately, just in pieces. I've, I haven't really ever been able to follow any of like stories or anything like that from the era. So I but completely understand like Chigusa Nagayo is that's a name like that's that's a massive like mainstream star to have in this match and obviously like you said people like Yoko Vito, um Wakizawa Mimura people like that so I you know in terms of I'm, I'm really interested to see who wins this because you can either try to build somebody who's a current talent or you can do a, like a really 
nice feel-good moment for Budokan. And so in that, I think, in terms of choosing a winner, I think the feel-good moment would be Chigusa Nagayo, especially considering they shot that little angle with Mayu, like, inviting her to the match. Um, it seems like this is, she's like the star in this one, obviously. But if you wanted to build a current talent, you could easily have somebody like, like Starlight Kid or even even like Ida or even B Priestley or someone like that win it. So um, I think there's a lot of different interesting angles they could take with this match, but it's going to be like incredibly entertaining and just kind of fascinating to see these legends from 20, 30 years ago matching up against against people who are in their in their you know in their early 20s yeah or like um, meiho suzuki who's 18 <laughs> true yeah yeah exactly who's 19 yeah uh a lot of young wrestlers in, in joshi it's it's absurd but um i i see it very similarly i think kid should hopefully win um you look at it like last time the last time they had anything like this was at no people gate and super strong starlight machine one um i don't know whatever happened to her really big fan of hers but uh that was really a, a fun <laughs> a fun little moment there i can definitely see somebody like uh starlight kid winning because she does need a she does need something at this point i feel like oh I don't know if you guys saw, but a couple weeks ago they released a poster and Kid wasn't even on it, and she got really upset about it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so they gave her a poster. <laughs> uh, that sort of leads me to away from thinking she'll win this one, but I, I do hope that she does. I think that would be a good little feather in her cap to hold a win over, um, you know, Chigusa Nagayo. That's pretty absurd. But yeah, I think it's interesting because uh, I feel like the winner isn't announced yet. Because I like, I feel like there's definitely going to be some surprises, and they'll probably yeah. have a surprise win it just for the for the moment, rather than you know, because I I don't think winning it for Starlight Kid or whoever would be like this huge moment. So I feel like just go with the feel good moment and give it to somebody who you know shows up unannounced, and uh, just have a cool little you know moment for a legend. So you think there's going to be a surprise? Because I don't. I, I am very cynical. I think that this is what we're going to get. And I'm happy with what we're going to get, but I am not expecting anything more. Like 22 entrants is a very odd number. Uh, I know that the like the Minami sisters probably would have been in it, which would make it like 25, which is a more rounded number. But like even then, 25 is strange. Like just go for 30. Um, I mean, there's names like, like why wouldn't Jaguar Yukota be in this? You know, like she's wrestling... And Rossi are probably tight, given that Starlight Kid worked Diana, you know, two months ago. So I feel like, you know, Yokota could be in it, and she's an obvious name. Uh, I don't see why Takako, in a way, couldn't be in it if Kyoko is in. You know, I feel like there's definitely room for talents to, to show up that haven't been announced. I mean, we could always hope. You know, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always holding out hope for Kagetsu to rear her head in wrestling ever again so i mean that the the idea of hope in there being more surprises in this does fill me with a little bit of joy but i am also a cynical human being and i don't think there will be any surprises <laughs> parker back me up here you 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 definitely think the surprises right <laughs> i do not think there will be any surprises if i had to be if i had to get i just i just look at the conventions of like you announce these names, you announce the card, and this is like what it is. And especially considering it is Budokan, like trying to, like, I don't know why you would hide anything, especially if you're trying to like, you know, sell as many tickets as possible and all that. So um, I just don't, I, I don't really see a surprise, but, but exactly like Dylan said, like if there are surprises, there's absolutely so much you could do there. And 
I am also holding out hope for Kagetsu to make some sort of wrestling return if that's what she ever wants to do. Yeah. Um, plus, I think because they announced 22 names very specifically, I feel like there's probably going to be 22 wrestlers. If they announced eight names and then they were like, okay, these are the eight names in the in the Battle Royal, it's like, oh, that means there's probably going to be like a couple surprises other than like these <laughs> steady eight. But they announced 22. I have a feeling that they wouldn't add in like, you know, two or four more or however many they want to add. I wouldn't, I feel like they wouldn't do that. Uh, even though WWE does that every year where they announce 29 names and it's like, but there's going to be MVP. Don't worry. Like, you know, it's, I, 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 could, I just don't see them doing that personally. Oh, that's not what I wanted to hear, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Um, Goes on to the next match then, uh, which is Momo Watanabe versus Nanai Takahashi. Um, this is really just like, I feel like it's easy to say this is a dream match. Like this is, it's obviously happened before, but in such different circumstances, you know, like uh, Momo Watanabe was a teenager the last time they wrestled and she only had a year's experience. Whereas now she's one of the MVPs of the company. Um, I see no way in which Nanai loses, but I just hope that mm. Momo can get over with her performance because it just I I mean I think Seedling is winning both matches, so that's why I think Nanai is going over here. Um but I'm interested to hear what you think maybe Dylan. Uh I I I feel like my thinking on both of the seedling matches is that if there's going to be another one, then the seedling wrestler is gonna win. But if this is the only match that they're having for the foreseeable future, I feel like Momo and Mayu have to win. Um, and, you know, like beyond just being like, oh, it's their show, it's a stardom show. Like you can't, you know, you don't go to somebody else's house and, and pin them. But more so just like if that's like going to be the beginning of it, the beginning and end of it, I don't see that happening. Um, yeah, like you said, this is pretty insane. Uh, the the entire idea is that Nanai and Yoshiko are like, damn, Stardom has gone to trash since we left. Look at look at you, like you're, like they have this rookie running place, and my or and Momo's like, yeah, um, I will kill you if you continue <laughs> to call me a rookie. So stop doing that. Um, and then Nanai punched her in the face, and you know, but I I feel like this has a lot behind it, and I feel like if Momo doesn't get this win, it could definitely just continued to sort of bury on that it's like damn momo's really like getting put through the ringer with like okay she couldn't win the red belt she couldn't win the swa belt she couldn't win the tag belts last year she couldn't win the first time last year like it, it's gonna start to feel very um very difficult hole to get momo out of and that would be an interesting story but i don't know if they want to put themselves in that corner uh but then again it is a cross promotion type of thing Nanai is probably not going to want to lay down just for fun, though it is definitely up in the air. I'm not sure. My gut wants to tell me that Momo wins it because it is what she needs to like really prove her worth. Uh, Nanai is probably the best red belt champion, maybe second best if if I'm counting Kagetsu, but you know, uh, she's probably the best red belt champion in, in Stardom's history. So Momo taking that win would be extremely, extremely important because of how she hasn't been able to really do much of substance, like just, you know, gold wise in a while, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think Alex touched on it earlier talking about how it's so much of this is contingent on what stardom and seedlings plans are with each other. Um, if, 
Hershko and and I are coming back and they're going to be doing like an extended program or, or, you know, a working relationship with stardom, then I see both Nanai and Yoshiko winning uh, at this show. Um, if they're not, if this is a one-off thing, I see it going one and one. And I do see Nanai still winning this match. And then we can get to the other one. But yeah, I, I, I reflect a lot of Alex's thoughts on this one. Just Momo is not somebody who, in reality, that stardom is like prioritizing as their top, top, top star who needs to be protected, so to speak, because I think they see her as pretty much made at this point. Um, that she can take all these losses and not lose momentum to, to the extent that somebody like Utami would if, if she were in this position. So uh, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. I do think Nanai will will win this match uh, either way. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I Again, it's probably a Momoa's type thing where it's like, I just want Momo and Izumi to win, so I'm going to say that they're going to win and then be upset. Uh, I, I definitely see the the evidence, like the proof is in the pudding that every, you know, fair sign leads to Nanai winning. But, you know, again, uh, a boy can hope. I mean, if, if Momo wins, then you can you can lodge yourself as a, a fortune teller. So, you know. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so next match then is the uh, SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship match. Siri defends against Konami. Um, I'm really intrigued by this one because of the build and how they basically seem to be hinting at the fact that it's going to be a very uh, hybrid, maybe shoot style match based on their comments. You know, like uh, Konami in a tweet was like, I don't want the Snoopy hat wearing Siri. I want the Siri who was a legitimate fighter that was beating people up. And uh, as well as that Siri, I've said this a lot, but Siri's comment of, I want to introduce people to our world. Uh, really clicked something with me where I'm like, okay, I don't think this is going to be a normal match. And I think they're going to wrestle it in a way that is going to be very either technical or very hybrid, uh, kind of like a blood sport style match. Um, so I'm interested in how that goes. But I think it's 100% that like Siri defends. Like I don't see her losing this belt anytime soon, given the restrictions on the title, uh, unless they change the rules for it like they did with the future belt. Um, but yeah, I, Parker, what are your thoughts on on this match? Yeah, I'm with you in that. Until they get new, like new blood in in the in the roster, sure, he's not losing this belt. Um, the only thing I could see is like she loses, and then Konami defends against her stablemate B, and then Breeze B is the champion again for a long time. But I don't know if they go back to that. Like it seems far more likely that Shuri retains here. Um, in terms of the match, I think I said this on Twitter recently, but. I think Siri like has such a, a high floor for her matches and that they're almost always like really, really good. But I think she really struggles to go beyond that and make a match like like great to excellent. Um, she's incredibly consistent in that, but I think would alleviate that and maybe give her a chance to you know, transcend that standard is leaning even farther into her background. Like she should be more unique out there too often. I think she... She looks like she's playing pro pro wrestler out there. Whereas I'm like, I know you're legit. I know you can, you know, beat people. Um, so do it. So I'm hoping we get some 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 loud kicks that look a little too a little too snug for safety. And uh, I think this match has a sleeper hit to be, to be a really really good one on this show. But yes, I do think Shuri retains. 
Uh, I agree, Sherry retains, but I, I do want to get into this a little bit more because this is the match with the most backstory of anything. Um, and my my good friend Sprite, the resident Konami stan, um, has has informed me a lot about it. A lot of this is just about the past and Konami in Oedotai even. Um, basically, what happened was was when Asuka left for WWE, Konami was only a year into her career. She was in Tokyo. She was wrestling random places she had no real friends no real home promotion no nothing so shuri became her mentor um for multiple years they became really really close became you know extremely close friends they would go to each other with things all the time um konami ended up you know leaving um you know she went to gps i believe and then shuri went to the to the ufc so they sort of like lost each other along the way um they met again in stardom and now konami has been you know on top of being, you know, abandoned by um, Kana back in the day and, you know, being abandoned, quote unquote, by Shuri back in the day, she's been abandoned by a million other people in stardom. She's been betrayed. She's betrayed people. She has, you know, every little thing has happened to the point where now she doesn't think that, like, cheerfulness is necessary in professional wrestling. And that's why she's very upset that Shuri, the legitimate, you know, MMA fighter, the insane talent, the person who she looked up to the most, is very um, lighthearted in stardom. She's very calm. She's very, you know, fun-loving. She's all of that when Konami has learned that she hasn't been allowed to do that. She has had to be an asshole to do anything. You know, if, if she isn't being an asshole, then she's not winning and she's not succeeding. So she is very much wanting to bring that side of Sherry out, bring Sherry to to be that that ruthless, you know, insane psychopath who will beat her ass. Um, and she wants to be able to beat Sherry at her best um, at her best level, at her highest level. But I don't think she's going to beat Shuri at her highest level. I think Shuri's definitely going to win this one. I hope Shuri brings out that fire that Konami is trying to bring out in her. And I hope that this is a really, really good match because I think it definitely can be. It's it's one of those where I have faith in them. And I, I know me and Dylan said this already, um, but like it, it, I have faith that they will deliver a great match. But if it bombs... In the Budokan of all places, it will be a very tough watch because if they do kind of wrestle the match that I'm expecting to wrestle, like that's a very we're walking a very tight line with a match like that between it engaging people and it boring people. Um, so I like I'm I know there's a, a good story to the match, but I think the the ring work is what might worry me. Although I am confident in both of them that they can deliver. There's just that seed of doubt in my head that kind of thinks maybe there's a possibility that it just doesn't work, you know? Yeah, yeah and I, I will say I will say that a couple of weeks ago, obviously Noah, uh, pro wrestling Noah came back to the Budokan and their semi-main in that show was Kino defending the national title against Masakatsu Funaki. Um, that was entirely shoot style, that match. There was no professional wrestling that match and the crowd ate it up completely. So um, hopefully that alleviates some of your some of your concerns there, especially if they lean pretty far into it with, I think some of those open hand slaps, some like loud kicks, I think is really gonna help it as opposed to a lot of kind of exhausting grappling, so to speak. Yeah, yeah hopefully um, they pull from that. Sorry, go Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel similar about that. I feel like this match, Utami Saya and Tam Julia are the three matches that are like they will probably be good and I have confidence that they'll be at least decent but I'm worried about like if it is if it does by any chance bomb it will be a very bad look um for whoever's in it 
and we'll get into that more near the the two main events um because i refuse to say that utami versus Sai isn't the main event but when we get to the <laughs> two main events um it, it's it's and this one as well obviously it's worrying because like i believe they could do good good stuff they can have a good match and people could really like it but if they don't it's definitely a bad look you know what i mean it's, it's yeah. not a it's not what they want from a budokan show they don't want any match to fall flat um like this would if it you know didn't live up to expectations so i'm hoping for the best obviously but i i agree with you in that sentiment that it's like it could you know not hit as well like not hit white right with the with the budokan crowd and it could just die out there mm-hmm especially a Joshi crowd, because, I mean, like, I feel like that sort of style has just never been as prevalent in Joshi wrestling, aside from when uh, AJW tried with their shoot fight division. But uh, even that was, like, very different. That was a lot more physical and very uh, realistic um, as compared to, like, the Noah fan base, who probably appreciate that style a lot more because it was more prevalent in the kind of pure circles. And obviously, I don't know if they're going to draw entirely different audiences, but uh, I definitely think like your standard Joshi fan probably won't like the Keno Funaki style match as much as what you know Siri and Konami usually bring to the table. I could be entirely wrong. Yeah, you could be wrong. You're, you're, you're wrong. You're <laughs> yeah, wrong you, very, you could be wrong, but yeah, I have, I have like, <laughs> no. I I do have a lot of faith in, in these guys, and I and I hope that uh, I really hope they deliver because. The two that are kind of on the cusp of that that true top star versus being you know they're riding the line between top star and mid card both of them I think so with you know with some with a couple star making performances here I think like you said it can really make or break them uh, for at least the next the next few months. Mm-hmm. Um, suppose moving on from that match though, uh, we're on to the tenth anniversary battle between Mayu Iwatani and Yoshiko. Um, there's, I mean, there's a lot to this match. Like these two were Stardom OG roster members. They both wrestled on the very first Stardom show. Uh, you know, Yoshiko was always pushing ahead of Mayu because Mayu was never really meant to be this like ace-like iconic figure of the promotion. Like I don't think they ever expected that from her. And Yoshiko was always pushed like a lot very far ahead of her. Um, they've wrestled singles matches six times. And the record is five wins for Yoshiko and one win for Mayu. And the one Mayu win was on a roll-up. So they very much established in the time that they were wrestling between 2010 and 2015 that Yoshiko was better. Um, obviously, Yoshiko's career went in a very different trajectory following the uh, Akiyasukawa incident, where she retired briefly and then went to seedling. And in that time, of course, Mayu became the icon of stardom. And it's a they're two very different performers than when they last met. Um, so like this is a match that uh, it's probably one of the biggest matches you could do in Joshi because of how like big they are in terms of you know names, and of course they're both very talented. Um, so you know the history playing into that is really interesting as well. I think Yoshiko extends her winning record over Mayu. Um, Dylan will know about this because we've talked about these before, but Mayu's character, ever since losing the Red Belt, has kind of been I everything is crumbling around me. I don't think I'm good enough. I don't think I'm good enough to lead stars. Like, I just want everybody to go away. And, you know, her not being able to beat Tam Nakana recently probably played into that as well. And now you have Raraka turning on her. 
like everything is crumbling around Mayu. I think her losing to Yoshiko furthers that story, even though I'm sure a lot of people want the feel-good moment. Of... Um, yeah, so as much as people may want the, the feel-good moment of, you know, Mayu Utani winning, I think the, the story that makes the most sense is Yoshiko getting the win here. Uh, I don't know if you would agree with that one, Parker. Yeah, this one's tough for me because uh, I think it, like we talked about earlier, it depends on whether Yoshiko is going to be involved in the promotion going forward. I think if she is, then absolutely it makes sense for her to beat Mayu here, potentially even set up like a red belt match, which I think would be an all-star red belt match. Uh, Yoshiko to challenge for that one. But uh, obviously it depends on that. I think if she's not coming back, then I would absolutely book Mayu to go over because. Uh, I mean, obviously it doesn't set anything up going forward if Mayu just loses and then never gets like a rubber match going forward. But also because you want your ace, your top star winning at your biggest show, right? And even though I'm not entirely sure how it plays into this, you know, long-term story of Mayu kind of losing it, you know, Ruaka turning on her, like you said, all that type of stuff. Uh, I'm not sure how it plays into that, but at the same time, I think this show... So much of the show exists on its own in like its own little realm, if that makes sense. Like the Yoshiko match hasn't really been built all that well, in my opinion. Um, it feels entirely separate to whatever Mayu is doing with uh, with her story, at least the way the way I've perceived it. So I'm really not sure where to go on this match, but I'm going to tentatively say that Mayu uh, wins this one. However, in terms of the match quality, I think it's completely fantastic and uh, should be one of the best women's matches we see all year. Um, I think that if, if I if I really had to narrow it down to who I think are the two best women's wrestlers in the world right now, I think I might narrow it down to these two. Um, so to get this dream match in Budokan uh, in the biggest show in stardom history, I think is a massive, massive moment for Joshi wrestling. And I've I've been I've also been interested. Something that I don't know if you guys want to talk about this or not, but around some of the like conversation and discourse around Yoshiko's return, uh, because I think there's a lot of interesting sort of angles and and thoughts that can that can come from that. But that was my long-winded thoughts on this uh, on this really unique matchup that we haven't seen obviously in six years. Yeah, yeah um, um, I think I'll let Dylan give his thoughts on the match, and then we can maybe talk about Yoshiko a little bit after. Um, so Dylan, you want to take it away? Yeah, um, that's exactly what I was thinking. Uh, I think. This match is going to be great, uh, obviously. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that this match will be at least really, really, really good. The the thing that comes in is the multiple layers to this story that there are. Obviously, there's the layer that, you know, 10 years since they de- debuted is their, you know, anniversary show, more or less. Uh, you know, since 10 years ago, they have both went on completely separate ways. Uh, Yoshiko is a powerhouse, you know, brute who went to Seedling, who became one of the best, you know, outside of stardom wrestlers, Joshi wrestlers, the most famous Joshi wrestlers outside of stardom in years. Um, whereas Mayu stayed in stardom, you know, worked her way up and became the ace of the company. Uh, obviously, Mayu is a small wrestler. Yoshiko is a big wrestler. Basically, they are opposites of each other in, in almost every way, except for the fact that they debuted in the same company on the same day, on the same show um the the matter of the winner who like who walks out is is a is a different story because i feel like mayu has to win here and you know we obviously we talk about the story of oh mayu's losing it mayu's you know 
losing her grasp on everything. Um, obviously, I, I bring it up a lot, but, you know, since DDM joined and since, you know, Bushi Road sort of took over, Mayu has been become very, just like not very content with where she stands on the roster. She feels like she isn't uh, living up to the name that she has set for herself, living up to what she once was. She feels very, um, she has imposter syndrome, so to speak. I think that's that's the best way to describe it. And over the past few months, her losing to Tam or her drawing with Tam, her, you know, losing a bunch of members of stars. It's it's really it's really been a hard time losing the Red Belt Championship, obviously. I think that this match really I feel like Mayu needs to get her groove back. Um and it depends on when she wants to do that. Like if she does that next year and she just has a year of her failing over and over again, then she's obviously gonna lose this match. But I feel like they probably want to have her triumphant by the end of the year because it is her tenth anniversary. She you know, they they built that around that very, very much over the, the past year or so they've been talking about this. I I want to say that Mayu wins here. If she doesn't, like Parker said, I would really like to see Yoshiko like do some stuff in stardom, you know, maybe fight Utami, you know, for the red belt, maybe do like other stuff, you know, tag with, with Nanai and, you know, do stuff like that would be nice. But if especially if Yoshiko isn't coming back, I think Mayu has to win. Um even if Yoshiko is coming back. I still think Mayu probably could use it, but I can definitely see Yoshiko winning here and then Mayu beating her sometime down the road. Okay. Yeah, I mean I can I can understand where you're both coming from. I think my thought process on it is that like this is Mayu's story and so I kind of think of it from that point of view. Um but I can understand wanting her to to stay strong and obviously to to win if Yoshiko's going away. Uh I'm not sure if like Ceiling would be okay with that. But um, I also think she's probably going to come back because they there is no way that they would have teased a Julia versus Yoshika match if they weren't going to deliver it. Um, what would she stood up? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> like Julia was like, "Oh, is that is that like the the loser that I hear?" Because uh, did you win the award? And like you could, they were clearly about to go at it, you know. So I, I feel like that's a match that they very much were like, "This could happen," and I think that would be a a big match and uh they'd probably have julia win that one if yoshiko i would hate that but uh i suppose that's maybe stuff that's down the line um as far as yoshiko goes uh what are your thoughts on her parker because uh me and dylan are very much in agreement uh but what are what do you think about her coming back yeah i i'm kind of i mean i think she's one of the best wrestlers in the world i watch all of her big matches in seedling so i so, I mean, obviously, I don't have any sort of huge grudge or, like, personal issue with watching Yoshiko. I think the interesting conversation is how, or at least what, you know, what has compelled me is how, is how, this uh, is, is how a, I think the interesting conversation to me is how the, how her, how her career and her actions have kind of, like, how that's weighed against how we view like a lot of other people in wrestling who do bad things. Um, because I think on some level people have way over like overblown how bad it was as if there was like this incredibly horrific dark moment in wrestling. Whereas, you know, people shoot on each other all the time and this was like particularly bad, but also did happen six years ago. Um, and yet we, you know, we have similar conversations today, obviously with people doing bad things and getting sort of blacklisted from the injury um, and then the other interesting thought is, I think, 
know, people way overblow how much of like a problem this is for potentially this for potentially stardom right now. Um, stardom is an incredibly competently run company, and this type of thing doesn't happen if it doesn't get the approval of talent and everybody with any sort of decision making power or pull within you know within Bush Road and within Stardom as an organization. So I think a lot of the like sort of hand wringing and uh, at the start of like, oh my God, you know, this is so demoralizing for the roster to bring someone back like this. I think it's like, okay, you're not privy to these conversations. I'm not privy to these conversations. And so I would maybe pump the brakes on those types of thoughts, but I have no, I have no qualms supporting, um, supporting Yoshiko going forward because I think she's shown enough throughout the years. She's freelance. She hasn't just worked for, seedling she's worked with a ton of other people and i think that the odds of her doing something similar in the future are slim to none yeah like i feel like i always default to uh if chigusa nagayo is is willing to let yoshiko wrestle her talent and her trainees then nothing anybody else says matters because chigusa nagayo would not let her near her trainees if she w- if she didn't you know think yoshiko uh was a good person uh another point is that joshi history is wrought with this sort of stuff like uh jackie sato is one of the biggest legends in joshi history probably second only to nagayo uh shinobu kandori shot on her in like the late 80s and shinobu kandori went on to be one of the most like high profile uh legendary wrestlers in joshi history so i feel like a lot of people will be like oh yeah kandori is amazing but uh oh i hate yoshiko and it's like you cannot like (laughs) love Kandori and then hate Yoshiko and Kandori did much worse to a much bigger name and you know as as well as that I also feel like the Yoshiko thing was it, it's presented and I always I don't want to like shit on anybody but whoever wrote the articles and made the videos was incredibly biased because they made it seem like this one-sided bitter jealous attack when in fact it was more of a fight that Akyasukawa just lost because she picked on a bigger woman, you know what I mean? A bigger, stronger woman. Um, so that's always been my thought process on it all, is just like, it happens in Joshi history. If Kandori can get away with it, then Yoshiko can too. And, uh, you know, act to me through the first punch. Yoshiko was willing to let, you know, she eased off at least twice and act kept coming back. So to me, it was just a fight that act lost rather than this like one-sided you know, assault that is presented as. Yeah, you bring up you bring up Kandori, and that is a very good like just comparison because Kandori's way more of a dick than Yoshiko is. Like, I'm just gonna like <laughs> just of like of her life, she's just an asshole. Like, she's awesome, and I love her to death, but she's kind of an asshole. Um, <laughs> and Yoshiko's not like you said. It was it was more of a fight. I I do think that like. I, I'm not as much of the head candidates like, oh, Yoshiko was not the aggressor whatsoever. She was very much, in my mind, the aggressor, but it was a fight between two people who were fighting. Like, it wasn't like a one-sided just, oh, I'm going to bully you and then beat you to death. Like, that wasn't what happened. Um, and I don't think that anybody can even say that anything like that happened. I think, and with the Chigusa thing that you brought up, that's also true because Chigusa treats her her trainees like they're her children. Like she is very, very, very careful with who you know um, with her trainees. She really cares about them all dearly. You can tell it just by seeing her like watch her trainees wrestle. She gets she's just very uh, motherly in that way. 
and Yoshiko has a very good relationship with with Chigusa and her trainees. I I think that it's become so much of a meme, like on the internet, like with me and my friends, that it's like that Yoshiko's this disgusting, horrible person because it's <laughs> yeah. like it's like she's just not like that's just not who she is. You know, she like one thing happened six years ago and it was messed up, and now everybody's over it. Like that's it's it's so much past that for me that i sometimes forget that there are people who are genuinely like upset about the sort of thing um and it, it really is just i don't know I, i'm i'm somebody who who tends to like be a lot more relaxed about certain things and this is pro- might be one of them but i also think i'm very well founded in that feeling that it's like it's not that big of a deal it's been years everybody's cool you know it's not even like it's not an issue i don't know why it's still presented as one you know what i mean yeah, and also to to that point, like uh, people who think like, oh wow, they're they're putting Mayu in here with this dangerous beast. Like, do you yeah, not no, think no, no. that Mayu could say no to this match if she wanted to? Like, <laughs> she's Mayu Iwatani. Like, she if she didn't want to wrestle Yoshiko, she would just say, I don't want to wrestle Yoshiko. So, yeah, it's just it's so silly to me. Some some of the discourse around Yoshiko. Um. But that's uh, we we really went a, a long time on that match, which is good because uh, we sped through the rest of the card. Um, I feel like we'll all have some thoughts on this match. Uh, the next match, it's the World of Stardom Championship match. Utami Hayashishta defends against Saya Kamatani. Uh, I think I want to ask first. Uh, I'll probably lead with Dylan. Um, how do you feel about this getting bumped to the semi-main event? I and I'm pretty sure I'm the only one here. I, I'm quite upset. Um. Because, and it's not that I'm upset, it's more so, like, I kind of get it, and it's it's funny, because, and I, this is like the seventh time I brought up Kagetsu, but you can tell Utami and Saya are Kagetsu's trainees, because they're acting exactly like Kagetsu acted in 2014, 2015, when they were getting a bit too big for their boots, and they thought they were on top of the world, and they just weren't. And it really was a rude awakening for them. Hopefully this is their rude awakening, them getting bumped. But I do think it is sort of upsetting because I think that they both were building to a really good main event and they could have had a really good main event. And their story around the match was Saya's like, I'm good enough to be in the main event of the Budokan against you. And Tommy's like, you're not good enough to be in the main event of the Budokan against me. And that was sort of the entire thing that it was built around was like, can we do this? Like, can you do this as a as a wrestler? And Saya has been proving with bringing out new moves every week, you know, beating everybody in her path using the Star Crusher. You know, Star Crusher has not been kicked out of in at least nine months now. Like, she has been doing, like, everything in her power. She's beaten Utami. She's doing everything in her power to prove that she is good enough for the main event. And then she, her match gets bumped. And that that does sort of, like, make me a little upset. Um... But I also understand that it's like, oh, hair versus hair, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, but I'll, I'll pass it off to Parker how, how you feel about um, it getting bumped. Yeah, my thought is just I I wish all three of the last three matches could main event. Like, I feel like Mayu and Yoshiko is this dream match that a lot of people never thought we'd get to see again. And all of a sudden, we're getting it. Um, I, I completely agree with the build. I think the build to Utami Saya has been... Fantastic. I think they've nailed it, especially considering, like, it's so funny. Just th- just like three months ago when Micah laid down the challenge to Utami, I'm like, oh, my God, Micah, like, she's good, but they're not going to have this, you know, blow away red belt match like we're used to seeing from, from Bayou. 
And then they did. And then, you know, that main event match was great. Then, you know, after that, it's Saya who's next. And I'm like, and that, I guess there's, I guess they've got a, you know, they're going to do a red belt defense before Budokan because that's not going to be the main event of Budokan. And then they didn't. And they've con- continued to prove me wrong. Saya's looked fantastic um, in her build, just, just very convincing, uh, very passionate. She's gained a little bit of an edge to her character. She seems like she desperately, desperately actually wants to win this championship match, which I don't get from a lot of title programs nowadays. Um, and Utami, I think, has really even exceeded expectations as champion. In terms of the main event thing, um, just because that build has been so good and because it is the world title, like, yeah, I wanted to main event too, but I think if I were booking the show and I really had to think about it, I would have done exactly what. Uh, what stardom did here because um you've got you know if, if somebody's getting their head shaved in your secondary title you know equivalent to essentially the iwgp intercontinental uh, intercontinental title in new japan um somebody's getting their head their head shaved in that match and it's you know an intense blood feud like this one has been i, I think i would make that main event too but like i said i wish all, all of these matches could be main events because they all I think have been built and deserve just on their on their own merits to be in that spot. Yeah, I think um like I think I'm between two minds on this because Saya is very much not yet a main event star. Like she's got it, she's got everything you need to be that, but she isn't that. And while the build has done a really good job of making her look fantastic, I think it's still kind of cold to me in comparison to the Julia and Tam match. Uh, so I think to me, not only do you have a better, you know, a bigger stipulation on Julia versus Tam, you have a much hotter feud. And that is why I think this going in the semi main event is perfectly fine. Because as well as that, I think if you had this go on last and you had Julia versus Tam go on before it, you really risk burning out the audience with you know this big blow-off match to a big feud uh, somebody gets their hair shaved which is always an emotional moment in joshi and then you have utami and saya waltz out to do their match and the crowd is going to be you know potentially completely dead so i feel like they've made a great choice to guarantee that they have the best chance possible to go out there and just wow us you know i feel differently actually because I feel like Utami and Saya are sort of in a rock and a hard place between Mayu and Yoshiko and Tam and Julia. Um, I like I feel like they were. I think they probably screwed from the jump, regardless of if they went last or if they went middle or if they went you know third from top. Like regardless of where they were placed, it would have been a negative because you know Tam versus Julia, the hair versus hair match. That's that, and then Mayu versus Yoshiko is obviously very big. So. Utami and Saya is the odd man out when it comes to pure investment from a from a crowd and from a audience base. So it's it's difficult to place it anywhere in these last three. I think it should have gone last, but you're right that it probably would have gotten like the crowd would have gotten burned out. My thinking is that Maya versus Yoshiko is probably going to burn the crowd out enough, and I'll be like, oh, we have two more matches to go. This one's going to be the calmer one and then the hair versus hair match so i feel like this is in a death spot regardless of it goes here or last i would have had it go last just because of the sheer merit of 
well, you know, world title goes on last. The the story was sort of built around them main eventing the Budokan, so they should main event the Budokan. That's that's more my thinking because I think either one of those were a death spot, and we talked about this before. That um, following a hair versus hair match is not something that anybody can do. Like you know, we, we were talking, oh well, maybe my Yoshiko can follow it and still pull off a lot, um, and you know, get the crowd invested, but. You know, following a, a hair versus hair match is not something that just any wrestler can do, especially in Joshi wrestling. And I definitely understand why that's in the last, but I I think that Utami and Saya, them going second to last doesn't help them as much as I feel like you might have, um, as much as you might think, in my opinion. Mm. Uh... Yeah, I will I, I will say that just to. Because I I get your argument about being you know stuck between two all star matches, but I think that they may be better equipped than a lot of people may realize. Because I do think Western fans, and I'm a part of this too, consistently underrate just how popular Hashida is and how much people love her as a champion and as like this you know this future you know or current star of the company. And I think Saya is going to be able do some spectacular things she's going to do some crazy dives you know some stuff that we really don't see in stardom or joshi in general very much and they're going to let her go all out in this match and i think the combination of those two things may protect them from from a dead crowd better than uh better than if it was just if it was that for example if it was utami micah i would think exactly what you're saying i'm like oh man i don't know i don't know if this is gonna if this is gonna make it but i think because of the spectacular nature of Saya, the intra-stable stuff, and Utami's popularity, I think they might be better equipped than a lot of people think. You know, I actually, that's that's a good point. I think uh, a what is likely fueling a lot of my, my uh, difficulty is that Saya is known to not have great uh, long matches. So like her, I remember her um, five-star run was good unless she went over 15 minutes. And I think it's pretty much a given that this match goes over 15 minutes. Uh, and that is sort of worrying to me, mixed with all of the other worries that I have that uh, I don't know if Saya can go that long in a singles match. Though Saya and Utami, on top of what you just said, Saya being a wild card and Utami being in- extremely popular, they have extremely good chemistry as a tag team and against each other. So I think that it is up in the air. I think that they could save the match and they could definitely deliver extremely especially if saya goes for the phoenix splash that always gets a pop out of the crowd um if, if they if they can really deliver i think that would be amazing and i'd be super happy but there is definitely a doubt in my mind about all of that you know what i mean that's that's definitely fair and i think uh i think we can only wait until the show happens to really judge it um but i think maybe we should move on to talk about who wins um, I feel like we're all going to be in agreement that Utami should retain. Uh, my rationale for that is I don't think Utami has been built up enough to where Saya beating her would be this like massive win that establishes her as a top star. I think Utami is still trying to build that credibility and build that star power. And if she were to lose it now, I think she would just end up looking bad and Saya would end up being a champion that you know, it hasn't beaten any, a, a real top star yet. Um, so I think, to me, I think Utami has to win. But I definitely trust them to put Saya over big time in defeat. Because obviously, 
you know, she's she's the one. Like I think she is the next like you know EO like figure probably for the company. Um, yeah, I don't know if you guys agree. Uh, Parker, do you want to lead off? Yeah, I compl- I completely agree with everything you said there. Um, I mean, th- there's really there's no way Utami's losing this. I'd, I'd be I'd be shocked. Like that would be the most shocking result out of anything on this show for me is if uh, is if Saya walks out as the red belt champion um, for a lot of the reasons you you just outlined. Um, but again, I'm really excited to see how she performs because she she does have it, like you said, like she has star power and there there's a reason she's in this main event spot. And so I'm really, really rooting for her and hoping she lives up to this big standard on, you know, on Stardom's biggest show in history. Yeah, um, we're all in agreement. Utami is definitely winning here. Uh, I feel like Saya just being in this program, obviously everybody was having a bit of like, you know, worries as we were talking about earlier. We were having a bit of worries about, oh, Saya Utami in the Budokan. That's a bit much. And it's like, I've, I've always been a, a large advocate for, I think Saya should have a, a championship match. She should, you know, put herself out there a bit more. And this program has proved that i was right that saya if she's just putting herself out there a bit more with a bit like higher caliber talent consistently she will go insane and she will be absolutely incredible i think that just the the build to the feud was enough like boost for saya's character that she doesn't need the championship right now and she you know i don't think she could handle the championship right now i think that she has gotten elevated to such a level that she doesn't need a championship she won't get the championship but she feels like huh that like that's a that's a competent wrestler who could at any time win the white belt you know like that that i think that's what that elevates her to like at some point this year i would not be surprised if um kamatani wins the white belt because i think and i think this championship match right here is what's going to elevate her to that and what has elevated her to that but at the end of the day yeah utami's definitely winning um uh, a bit quick, what do you think is Utami's going to do next? Because that's sort of always how I feel about Utami is that it's like, there's no real, like, like, I feel like she's just a fighter of the week type thing where it's like, okay, she has B next week, I guess, but, you know, like, does she lose to B? Does she retain against B? I, obviously, it's the, you know, Budokan show, but how, how do you guys feel about that? Uh, I don't think B ever wins the world title again, and I don't think she ever needs to either. Um, I mean, I feel similar, but... Yeah, like, I just think it's been there, done that, and she seems to be at the point now where she's just kind of a transitional heel champion to, to put people over, which is a use of her talents anyway. Uh, her sometimes limited talents, to, uh, we'll just leave it there. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't really know where Utami goes from here, because... There's no real, like, rivalry that I could see her picking up, you know? Like, unless she tries to run through the rest of DDM, maybe, because there's that whole thing from a few months back with uh, DDM and uh, Stars, or Queen's Quest, where both of them were like, well, no, we we are the future of stardom, and we represent stardom. Um, So maybe some of the DDM girls kind of try and take the belt off of her to prove that they are actually the future of stardom. but yeah, I, I don't really know off the top of my head like who could possibly challenge after B. Um, like maybe Siri if they want to go back to Siri. But I, uh, I don't know. Yeah, my thought is maybe it could be maybe that that Mayu Yoshiko winner. Um, if they feel like they've done it, you know, a good enough job, or if they just want 
Utani to defend against somebody who's extremely you know talented and completely made. I think that's a great way to do that. Or you can obviously have Utami lose to either of those. And I don't think Utami loses anything by doing that. Um, so I think that's a possibility. But outside of that, I mean, you guys are right in that there's really like, there's just not not that much there. Um, I mean, I mean, Jungle maybe coming back reasonably soon. Like that's a possibility. I think she's high enough that you can immediately throw her into a program, especially considering we'll be a couple months down the road by the time B gets her challenge. Um, but I mean, even like you know, at this point, we're we're looking at people like like Starlight Kid is you know an outside chance, somebody like that. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Himeka, um, like you said, some of the DDM people, but it's it's very interesting to see where they're going to go from this because we are quickly sort of running out of people to people to people to wrestle for this title. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like me and Alex talk about this very frequently that Utami really needs something to sink, sink her teeth into. So I feel like this feud between Utami and Saya has been Utami really elevating Saya in a way more so than Utami feeling like she is becoming so much more of a star in this feud against Saya. And, you know, not every feud needs both participants to, you know, be elevated a million times. And I, I completely understand that. But I feel like Utami definitely needs something to really sink her teeth into as a champion. Um, and she hasn't really had that yet. I, you know, we were talking about Azumi maybe losing the high speed title. I would like to see Azumi challenge Utami because that would be a great match. But, you know, again, definitely biased there. Uh, Julia, if she does what I think is going to happen and she loses the the main event, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. If she does that, I can definitely see Julia going up after a couple of defenses for Utami. Uh, I don't know. Um, the, the five stars are miles away. Uh, I know that we have the Cinderella coming up. Maybe Cinderella does a little bit of a change of pace, challenges for the red belt instead of the white belt. Uh, you never really know, but I'm, I'm really interested in that. That's why I asked, because it's really all up in the air, so I wanted to get you guys' input on that. Yeah, I think um, I think I actually might agree with uh, one of Parker's is that I think if Yoshiko wins, she could challenge because uh, I don't know if you, yeah. you saw, but uh, Stardom on the 4th of April is running the Yokohama Budokan again. Um, so you're going to need a big oh. match like right away to, to, to have, you know? Yeah, that would be a good match. So Yokohama, I think... Yokohama in April has a lot of history, you know? Dream Slam. Yeah, yeah. So I think... Yoshiko and Utami, uh, or even like Nanai and Utami maybe at that show, would be a mm -hmm. fairly well-selling match. Because obviously you're going to need a big match for uh, Yokohama Budokan. And I assume we'll have the, the Cinderella winner probably face uh, the the white belt champion. Um, so I think, yeah, Nanai or Yoshiko challenging would be a good one for the Yokohama show. Because they do need a big match like right away. Uh, because their schedule is just insane, uh, as me and Dylan say a lot. Um, but yeah, that's 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 what we have to keep in mind. Because I only thought of that there. I was like, oh shit, yeah, they're running the fucking Yokohama Budokan like next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and that's a really good matchup because, like I said, Utami and Saya are very much like, okay, we're the future. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna lead Starman to this new generation. And they're sort of like forgetting that they have people like Yoshiko and Nanai who would stand in the way of that because they are some of the best in the world and they aren't from this generation they aren't this you know new breed but they could still 
kick your ass, you know, and I feel like that would be a good um, battle for Utami to win or, you know, get her, you know, um, make her like face the truth that, you know, it isn't her time yet. Like, and I don't see Yoshiko or Nanai winning the belt, but like if that happened, that would be insane. It would be a really cool story to tell. And yeah, I think that would probably be the best direction to go. And if they can go in that direction, and like you said, that's a big show in April. So I, I don't see why they wouldn't at least try to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose we will uh, move on to the uh, main event then. Uh, hair versus hair, wonder of stardom championship match, Julia versus Tam Nakano. Um, I will just say right off the bat, uh, as somebody who has been a huge Julia fan since Cinderella of last year, uh, it's great to see her get this main event. Uh, I think this feud deserves it because it is a really, really hot feud. Um, I do think they lost their way from the original vision because the original vision of this feud, I was all in. You know, Tam was like, I made a promise to Arisa Hoshki that I would beat her for the white belt. uh, And I do not ever want Julia to have it. And then when Julia beat her, she was like, I'm going to chase you to the end of the universe to get this belt back because I'm going to keep my promise to Arisa. Um, and while it's kind of drifted away from that, I still I still kind of am invested in that story. Like, I still want to see Tam not only, you know, beat the head off of Julia because I love seeing people beat each other up, but I want to see Tam get her big moment and, you know, fulfill her promise to Arisa um which is the big draw for me to this match uh the stipulation is what it is and the stipulation is why i think it's going in the main event because you know hair versus hair matches are a huge thing in joshi uh they're very rare and i feel like there's only you know a handful of occasions where it hasn't main evented so to me this was not only the right choice but uh the story is really gripping me and uh i i trust that they can deliver a great match um I feel like Dylan is going to disagree with everything I've said here, so I'll let you take over. <laughs> I disagree with certain aspects of what you said. Um, I think, and you know, you have a good point about the you know original story, the original point of the story. I was not as into stardom at that point when Tam was facing Julia every week. It felt like I wasn't really paying a ton of attention, so I didn't really grasp that that was like the true reason behind it. And after a while, it sort of became not the reason behind it it was just oh i don't like you because you know um and i i feel like i haven't liked the tam julia matches personally um their five-star match was okay i i enjoyed that but other than that i wasn't a big fan of their longer matches i think tam's another one who isn't great at going over 15 minutes usually like if if it's around 15 minutes she kills it like with against uh, Mayu, that was a really good match. It went 15 minutes. If it goes over 15 minutes, it sort of becomes like the the pacing just doesn't suit her, right? In my opinion. So I remember that one that went like 28 minutes. I was just not a big fan of. And then you know they went another that went very long too. And I'm I'm hoping for the best, obviously, but I am not expecting a ton out of this match. I'll be completely honest. Uh, the the hair versus hair aspect is really interesting because you know. Everybody, you know, memes on it and jokes about it, but it's like Tam and Julia are two, you know, not to like make it sound bad, but they are two beauty wrestlers. Like they, they very much are very beautiful women to like in the first place. And they have a certain level of vanity. Their characters are, you know, they aren't, 
they aren't like people like Kagetsu who are just gonna like beat the shit out of you. They are like all around wrestlers. They they you know sell photo books. I, I'm very butchering my my point here, but my point is that it's like their hair is a big deal to them. Like you know if you cut if you cut fucking if you cut Minoru Suzuki's hair, who cares, right? Like like that's what, something that I bring up a lot is that it's like that one time when Hiroki Goto beat Minoru Suzuki and it's like he was already bald, like it didn't do anything. Like there was no real. But in this, there is a a very importance to their hair because obviously Tam Nakano has been growing her hair out since she joined Stardom, and Julia is Julia. Like so, it, it makes sense why it's hair versus hair, and I think the hair versus hair really does add a lot to the stipulation, and it does give me a bit more excitement about the match. Um, that is originally did not have a ton of my excitement personally. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah. No, I agree. I agree with a lot of what you said. I don't think you butchered the the beauty wrestler thing at all. Like everything you said there made sense, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm I'm, I'm ever so slight. Like I'm hot on the on the stipulation because it's going to lead to it should lead to a hot environment and a great match. Um, it should just elevate things. But the reason I'm a little cool on it is because I don't want to see like two of my favorite wrestlers in stardom. Like with shaved heads, like I, it doesn't, it, it's just, it's genuinely inconceivable for, for, to me that, a, you know, a little over a week from now, one of these people is going to have all of their hair gone. It just, it's, it's impossible to even like picture or visualize. So just for that reason, I'm just like, I'm perplexed at how they, they managed to swing this and like that, you know, must have just wanted to to reflect on some of the historical you know major hair versus hair stipulation matches from the past if, if they're returning to this big building so um i agreed with yeah i definitely identified with a lot of what you said there i think this match is going to be great i think the build for this has been stellar like some of the best build to a wrestling match i can remember in recent in recent memory like probably probably my favorite build to a match so far in 2021 at the very least um, and that's considering I watch everything. Uh, so that's so that's that's saying something. Just the little stuff like like Julia, you know, just beating and pounding on Unagi in, in the trial series match, and then you know, or, or in that tag match, one of the two, and then you know Tam comes out to save or you know confront Julia, but then Starlight Kid interrupts to, to challenge for the white belt, and, and you know, Tam and Kid have had huge issues. They hate each other and. So I think we're matching up the current best storyteller in the company in in Tam, and the current best character in in the company, Julia, to create a super hot, believable blood feud that you can get invested in. Where one of these people, like they are putting more than any championship on the line. Mayu can lose the red belt and she'll be fine. Tam and Julia can't lose their hair and still be like fine for at least un until they get it grown out to some like reasonable length. So because of that, I think the stip is it's going to lead to a fantastic environment, like no doubt. And I have a ton of faith in these two. Um, every time, every time I feel like I'm getting a little, you know, disinterested in either of them, they come right back and they do something crazy or do something really fun and innovative. And so I really couldn't be more excited for for this match and the show as a whole. Yeah, like I I definitely get some of the reservations around the match. Um, I think the stipulation maybe to me just doesn't mean as much because I I can definitely see Julia rocking like a short hair look and should be fine, you know. Yes, 
yeah, like she she feels like the kind of woman who could have that hairstyle and work. Like I don't think Tam could have it as well, um, which is why I don't think they would have Tam lose. Um, but you know, to me, almost like the stipulation is secondary to what I see as like Tam's crowning moment and her big win. So like, well, you know, Parker's focusing on like the stipulation and that's the big thing to him. I'm just kind of like, I just want the great match and uh, I'm here for the story because, you know, Arisa Hushki is one of my favorite wrestlers that has ever walked this planet. And, you know, Tam, you know, fulfilling her promise to her just has a lot of meaning to me, uh, which it probably doesn't to a lot of people. But, you know, for me, that's a really special moment that I'm going to enjoy. And then I trust that, you know, Julia will go on to bigger and better things after. Um, which I suppose I'll ask for predictions because uh, you probably have figured it out by now. I think Tam wins. Uh, what about you, uh, Parker? I also think that Tam is winning uh, for two reasons. First of all, I, I agree that just, it's it's weird. It's so weird that this is like a qualification for picking the winner of a main event Budokan match, but I completely agree that Julia is just able to she she can do a, a short hair deal for a while like it's it'll be fine um if, if she loses in that sense and then also just you want to have a, a baby face going over you want to have somebody who the fans you know, truly love not you know quote quote love 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 like julia says but actually like truly adore you want somebody like that going over in the main event of of a show like this and um i worry about especially if we're going to get some heat with like like Nanai winning or Yoshiko winning and, you know, Utami and Saya, neither of them, they're just kind of tweeners. They're not really baby faces or heels. They're just kind of characters. And I worry about if Julia were to go over, that would just be so much like oppressive heat to the show to where it's like, and the match is really good, but I, I don't have a good vibe from this show. So mm -hmm. I think, I think Tam is going over. I'm in agreement. Yeah, I, I feel like Tam has to win for a myriad of reasons. For one, I think that Tam bald would be really, really funny, but it, 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 <laughs> I don't know if I'm doing that. Julia could definitely pull off like bald short hair. Uh, I, as I could definitely see that. So that's one. Two, I feel like if Tam loses here, it, and I feel like I'm very um like black or white about certain things like this. If Tam loses here, it's just going to look really bad. Because, like, Tam has lost so every time that it's counted against Julia. And if she loses here, it's like, I don't know how much leg she has to stand on. Because this time, unless they want to run back a death match, that would be fun. I'm, I'm always down with that. Uh, you know, like, like outside of, like, a, a crazy thing like that to happen, I can't see Tam losing again in a Wipeout Championship match. And it would kind of suck if she did. Um, three, I think that the story of Julia being the only member of DDM without the championship, if Natsupoi wins, which is a big if in my head, big if guys, um, if Natsupoi wins, Julia being the only member of DDM in, or the only member of DDM that doesn't have a championship would be extremely interesting. And that, it reminds me of when Jumbo beat her in the five star and concussed her and, um, and basically, like, Julia was just like, man, what the hell? I don't like not being the, the, the person. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. Like, that, that, I feel like that's exactly the sort of element they would go for um, with her being, like, the, the, the Joker, basically. <laughs> that's my immediate <laughs> thought, is, to, is um, Julia becomes a Joker. All of her friends have championships. She's bald and has nothing. Um, I think that would be a pretty cool 
story. And yeah, I don't know. I feel like Tam definitely, it's her time to win the belt. I don't know how like excited I am for the, for the reign of Tam with the white belt. I don't know how, like, I don't know where it goes. I don't know how excited I am for, you know, the, the projected matches, but, and for Tam to be going, you know, at a 30 minute time limit consistently, I don't know how I'm going to feel about all that, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. I feel like Julia, I, I like Julia, but it feels like she's been champion forever, even though she hasn't been, it's only been like, she's been champion for less than, I don't know. I'm not looking it up. I don't care enough. Um, she's been champion for not that long. She's only been champion for like a couple hundred days, but it feels like she's been champion for a while. And I think we could definitely spice things up if we give Tam the belt and if Julia and Tam, the feud blows off here. Um, and that sounds a bit, you know, harsh, but it's like I think, I think the feud is ready to, you know, go home. Yeah. So yeah, Tam I, wins. Um... Tam. Yeah, I, I, you make definitely good points. I think it's now or never for Tam, uh, because I mean she's been around for a while and she's challenged a lot and she has her own faction now and she's on all the press. Like it's if she doesn't win now, it's just I'm not sure when she will. I think it's it's about time Julia suffers her big setback because I mean Julia has mostly just won ever since she came into the company. You know she came in and she drew with Hannah straight away and then she was in the Tokyo Dome. And then she won the Cinderella, and then she won the belt, and then she did well in the GP, and she just keeps winning. And I think now is a perfect time for her to suffer that first setback so that her character can get that little bit more fresh. You know what I mean? Because we've been seeing the same Julia mostly since she debuted. So now her losing would send her in a different direction to keep her fresh. Because obviously, like, I love cocky julia i think she's been doing some of her best heel work recently but i think her losing could definitely spur her on to another level that i'm very interested to see and i trust tam to to have a good reign i think um the direction that they're probably going to go in is like mayu winning the cinderella and then challenging tam at the yokohama show which is probably you know going to be a great match and i think that would be a great way to kick off tam's reign and i trust her to do a good job because she has been improving steadily ever since the cosmic angels became a thing um so I, yeah i definitely think it, it is time for tam to win and i'm hopeful that her winning will kind of help both of them out and give them maybe a fresh coat of paint yeah i i think i i think i feel very similar um julia bald's gonna be fun I have a feeling she's gonna go crazy. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah. yeah. The, yeah there, there's a lot of character stuff they can do, obviously. And, and Julia is just—I mean, she's just out of her mind when it comes to that character stuff. Like it's great. Um, and I really like the idea of of Mayu winning Cinderella and then challenging Tam. I think that completely makes sense going forward. So yeah, there's a lot they can do. Yeah, and and if they want to continue that story of Mayu being a loser. Not being a loser, that sounds very, very harsh. But <laughs> Mayu, Mayu, um, you know, Mayu not being on her game, like sort of like just being off of it and crumbling. Uh, her winning the Cinderella only to be beat by Tam, of all people, would definitely like further that into the pits of hell. Um, but I have a feeling because this whole Oedo Tai um, stars thing, I have a feeling that they aren't going to win the, like, I don't think Mayu's going to be doing white belt stuff 
for a while until she at least, you know, has that big match whenever they're going to do it. I imagine since that Yokohama show is in April, not too far away, I'd imagine that they do the big one there, like that five-on-five they're building up if they get Hannon back by then. So I don't know if, if I would have Mayu win the the Cinderella, but I could definitely see Mayu versus Tam being a match down the road. Uh, that would be a really big deal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's all the card done. I did want to ask uh, a, a question or two, though, before we, we wrap up. Um, like, overall, how happy are you with, like, just the show, you know, the card and the build and stuff? Because uh, for such a historic show, you know, as we said before, like, it's the first Joshi show at the Budokan in 24 years. It's it's the 11th in, in history. Um, like, to me, I feel like the matches are all going to be really great. And on paper, I'm really excited for this card. And I am genuinely excited for this card. Uh, I think some of the builds have been a bit cold, but you know, in general, I'm pretty happy with things. Parker, how do you feel? Yeah, I think I think those those top five matches are the are the you know what's going to sell it. Everything else is kind of just I think a bonus. Like you know, Micah Himika, you know, the tag title, the high speed match, and even and even the Rumble are just kind of matches that you would see on any sort of normal you know mid to big you know, mid to big show. Like you you really get some kind of rumble in there even if it doesn't it doesn't always have Chikusa Nagayo in it um but in terms of those top five matches I mean I think they've done a great job overall um Julian Tam is like the hottest feud they've had in forever uh Mayu and Yoshiko is a dream match uh Utami and Saya is the you know their match that they're spotlighting to really sort of showcase some of their new stars that they see as the you know the top stars of the future so that makes perfect sense um and then you know, the background and story behind the fourth and fifth matches like Shiri Konami and Momo Nanai, I think it all makes sense for a big show. And I've been really, really just impressed overall with Stardom's, you know, match quality, production, you know, work, um, and just storytelling in general to the point where I think they knocked it out of the park for this show. And I hope the show is a major success because I want to see Joshi succeed as much as it can. And I think this is like a big moment for Joshi. Obviously, like you said, first first time at Budokan in 24 years since 97. I was uh, one year old the last time this happened. So um, huge moment. And I, I really do think they, they knocked it out of the park and, and did a great job. Yeah, I, I was I was negative six, so I know how you feel, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's very much... It's a good card. I feel like they obviously missed a few things, and you know there there are certain like aspects of the build that I wasn't a big fan of. Particularly, I wasn't a big fan of the. Um... Actually, I don't have anything that's like off the top of my head that I was I want you know yell about. Um, I think it was a it was a fine build. There was obviously missteps with the whole Utami Saya thing. I feel like I still feel like it probably should have gone on last, but that's just something I'm gonna have to you know take with me and deal with. Um, Obviously, they couldn't use Seedling a ton, but I and Yoshiko made it a point that's like I don't want to wrestle anybody until I wrestle Mayu. Um, so like I understand them not really building that, but Mayu just continuously getting you know foiled and and duped and you know screwed over and just crumbling, and now it's like oh now you got to face like the most you know 
dangerous wrestler, the da- most dangerous Joshi in professional wrestling type deal. Um, like that's not. Uh, I mean, it's not a bad build, and, like, if Mayu overcomes the odds, that's going to be fun, but it's, like, on paper, it's, like, damn, so Mayu's lost and got betrayed and duped by a 16-year-old and uh, is is just not doing well, and now she's going to try to beat Yoshiko, of all people, um, and Yoshiko hasn't even been there. That's a bit of a of a messy one and a bit of a and one, but I think they definitely saved it with just the sheer amount of good stuff that is going to happen on the show. Um, and yeah, like, like Parker said, I really hope it does well because I want Josh Wrestling to, you know, I want it to boom. You you always want you always want you know, uh, your 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 boss Parker. He he once said something that I I take with me to a very you know sacred spot. If if all of wrestling, if the wrestling I watched was great and the wrestling I make content about was great, I would have a golden boat. You know, if if Joshi Wrestling mm-hmm. does well, yeah. I would be rich. You know, it's like if Joshi Wrestling does well, I'll be happy. That's that's what I want. So obviously, I want this to to do well, and I want them to continue to do really really good shows. I think this is a good card, and you know, I can be upset about things. I'm always upset about things, but I think I'm more happy than I am upset. Okay, and uh, another question uh, that I would like to ask is, um, as far as tickets, uh, how well do you think the show is going to do? Obviously, uh, Noah did over four thousand there the other week. Uh, there's three different types of tickets that are already sold out for the show, both for general sale and fan club members. Um, so how well do you guys think the show is going to do? Dylan, do you want to kick off this time? Uh, I, we, we've spoken about this at ad nauseum before, like not even like on the podcast, but just like in text talking about ticket sales. I feel like if they don't break at least like, 1500 2000 it'll be a not good number like obviously it would be their second best number in history if they got to 2000 but still i don't think that would be a good number because of just the sheer size of boot with no one doing 4000 it's like it doesn't really give an excuse of like oh well COVID, you know uh it's like an excuse because noah is like did a really solid set um sale I hope they get around 3000. I think that's my um hopeful my my hopeful estimate is around 3000. As long as they do over 2000, I think I, it would be cool, but I think 3000 is where they would be aiming for and hopefully where they hit. I think they're going to do great in terms of ticket sales combining the build with the fact that Stardom just consistently gets some of the highest, you know, the best ticket sales out there right now you know they're consistently you look at the monthly cork and attendance reports and stardom's almost always among the top there um including eclipsing noah a lot of the time and not only that but noah cards that have kg muto on them so i think like we're using that as like the barometer i don't think they're going to reach that noah level i also don't know the seating configuration or anything like that and that obviously plays into it so um so you know that could limit the amount of tickets but I easily see them getting up to that up to that three thousand range. I'm I'm reasonably certain they're going to get there and potentially even higher. So I think I think they should do a, a great success in this one. Anything less than like twenty five hundred for me would be would be a disappointment just based on I think the standards they've set for themselves with attendance recently, as well as of course the Noah show that was just a couple weeks ago getting well well over that. Yeah, I would I would agree. I think. Um... I think they'll do relatively well because they do have a big audience uh, as well as that they're pulling from different markets. You know, you have the ceiling fan base that will probably show up. 
Uh, you have Nagayo, who has a grasp on kind of the middle-aged women demographic. Uh, you have Emi Sakura. You have Kyoko Inoue. Like, you have a few different, you know, wrestlers from different eras that will pull in fans. Um, and I think the advertising as well has been really strong. I think from the very beginning, when this show was announced, Bushiroad said, like, we're going to advertise this very heavily. And it feels like every other day, the Japanese uh, Stardom Twitter account is tweeting a new uh, magazine that they're in or a new billboard that they've put up on the train station. So I think hitting that 3,000 mark should probably be the goal. Um, and I think they could maybe do it. But yeah, I think if it's anything less than 2,000, they'd have to be disappointed given the marketing effort that's gone in and just given how many you know different generations of talent are being represented on the show. I, I also have one more point that I just thought of that does aid to that is that this is the first big show because so basically their their main audience is and this is I'm going to get into a little bit of Japanese geography here. Um, their big their biggest market is Tokyo and they've only ever done three real big shows over the past year and one was in Sendai that they did not draw well. One was in Yokohama that they drew pretty decently given COVID and one was in Osaka that they drew fine and you know so the best that they did was in yokohama which is the closest to tokyo and this is going to be right in the smack dab center of tokyo and it's going to be you know close close to Corican hall close to tokyo dome that's where their fan base is more than anywhere else so i definitely see them doing better like just pound for pound than their previous big show you know um their previous big show ventures and i think that 3000 is probably a decent marker and i really hope that they hit that um because if they don't like you said it's not great that's a great point um but yeah with that that's that's all i had to ask uh that was the show uh thank you so much parker for joining us i hope you had fun i hope this wasn't too terrible <laughs> <laughs> no I, I had a great time I, I always love sort of preaching the the joshi gospel to people who you know it's just not i, I kind of live in two spheres i live in the twitter sphere where i follow a lot of people and, are, and interact with a lot of people who are big fans of stardom and joshi and then kind of my work area which is still also all wrestling of course uh there's only one other guy in the entire in the entire company that pays even you know the, the remotest attention to joshi and actually goes out of his way to watch matches so um so I'm always happy to talk about that stuff and give it give it a little bit as much attention as possible because this stardom show is is massive. I mean, it's aside from Wrestle Kingdom and the Noah Budokan show, this is the this is the biggest show so far in Japan this year, and it's one of the biggest women's wrestling shows in Japan in forever, like genuinely forever. And so, um, and so, it, I'm so excited to be able to talk about it. That's awesome, and uh, we're we're very happy to have you on to to discuss it um but yeah with that uh dylan knows we always close the show uh this queen's quest is our namesake <laughs> so yep. leave today shine tomorrow you decide what you believe in ijo ijo